talking about the importance of times like the ones we're in. Times of great upheaval, times of great change, times of difficulty, times of tumult. Because it is in moments like this that the call of God comes to each of us and to us collectively to be a part of rebuilding our lives and our world. Now, next week, we are starting into a new teaching series entitled Perspectives. It is going to be a shorter series. It's going to be about five weeks. We're really excited about it. It's going to be a series where we are going to be kind of mining the depths, plumbing the depths of Scripture, trying to get away from the idea that, like, the Bible passage I just read says this one thing, but instead it is, uh, has layers in passages and how we learn to read the layers of Scripture and why reading the layers of Scripture is so important to understanding what God is saying to us and can actually become quite transformative. The, the thing that um, today, though, is that we are uh, moving back into this rebuild series. It's been a nine-week series, and where I want us to go today is, uh, is to, to end with what we started with. What we started by saying is that in this series, uh, this is the time that we are in right now is one of the most important moments in any of our lives. This time of tumult, this time of change, this time of difficulty, the last 19 months, this is one of the most critical, pivotal moments in any of our lives and one that we will all look back on and realizing that it was an inflection point for us and an inflection point for our society. And it's a time not just of difficulty, but it's a time of great opportunity because change, how we change our lives, how we change our habits, how we change our community, how the fabric of our society changes, change is only really possible after you've gone through the difficulty of the season like we've been in. This is a time of amazing difficulty, but also amazing opportunity. Not just to rebuild by going back to the way things used to be, but as we've seen with Nehemiah, that when Nehemiah's call to rebuild the wall comes, he actually builds it better than it was before, changes it from what it was before, makes it stronger than what it was before. And the idea that your life and my life, and indeed our society, can't just go back to the way it used to be, which actually isn't even possible, but that it is rebuilt in a way that it actually more closely resembles the kingdom of God than anything you know before. More joy more peace, more of what life is about can be known. Now in this series, as a, as a reminder, we've kind of divided this series into three sections, three parts. We're going to bring them up here. The first section that we talked about in the opening weeks of this series was really focused on discernment. How is it that we learn to hear the call of God? How do you learn to hear the call of God upon your life? God has a call, a purpose upon you. And what we saw with Nehemiah is that when Nehemiah heard about the destruction of Jerusalem, he didn't go to God with a plan. God, I've got this idea for how the city can be rebuilt. But what Nehemiah does is he holds his pain out before God. He holds his disappointment and say, God, it's not supposed to be this way. God, I didn't think it would, you know, and just holds that pain out there. And over four months, what we saw is that God actually gives Nehemiah a burden. Now, if you're sitting there going, we're at the end of the series, and I still don't have any idea what my burden is, it's okay. Nehemiah took him four months. Nehemiah was about halfway through the journey of figuring out what his burden was. 
So just keep holding that. The, the rhythm of that is so important of naming your disappointment to God and holding that out there. And so Nehemiah, uh, uh, you know, he does this. He holds this pain out before God. And then he starts getting this sense of a burden. Not that he can change all of Jerusalem, but that there's the wall. The wall he gets. The, and so what we've said is, what's the thing that God uniquely places on you? You can't fix your entire family. You can't fix every habit in your life. And in fact, if you try to do everything, you're not going to do anything. But what's the one thing when you see our society that God just kind of puts a burden on you of going, there's something about this that I want to lean towards. We talked about in discernment how it is that you also don't figure that out by yourself, that you got to have community. And in this world where we are regressing at this, we are becoming more isolated and more lonely. Study after study shows that we've got to figure our calls out in community. Discernment happens together. So here at Covenant, we say it, you, you don't want to just be part of a crowd on Sundays in our multiple services, but you got to have a pocket of community. Do we create it on ramps to small groups, to Bible studies, to prayer ministries, to mentoring relationships? Where are you known? All of us need people that go, I know how to pray for them and they know how to pray for me. And if you don't have that, we'll continue to work with you so that you have people that you say, this is my burden. This is what God may be doing. And they're like, I don't know. I don't see that. Or they're like, no, I see this in you. And I want to encourage you in this. Or they pray for you just to see what God wants to do. So that was the first part of the series. We talked about how do we learn to hear and discern the voice of God? The second part of the series was more about implementation. And implementation is like once we have a sense of what God's doing, how do we start to act on that? How do we start taking that burden and turning it into a reality? What we said is that Nehemiah, it's so amazing when he shows up in Jerusalem because he doesn't show up going uh, blustery and saying, no, this is what the king says you have to do and all of you have to follow my rules and I'm in charge now. But Nehemiah shows up quietly. And he goes and he explores the wall. He takes days to look at the towers and the, and the bricks and sees how it's been destroyed. And it's in that, what we call doing your homework, that he starts making up his own mind about what the wall can look like and how it can change and how it can be better. We skip this phase so often, but it's so important for you to make up your mind of what God is looking like building in your life. Talked about how Nehemiah draws others to that, how you lead, how you're an effective agent of change. That Nehemiah doesn't lead by telling everybody what to do. He doesn't lead by sitting there and going, okay, I'm in charge. The king's giving me this power. Here's what everyone's going to do. But Nehemiah is an effective leader because he earns it. You're not a leader because you've been to seminary or because you've been to law school or because you've got an MBA or because your job title says it. Leadership is earned. It's something you have to earn the right to do. And the way you earn the right and the way effective leaders lead and the way what we see with Nehemiah is he doesn't spend his time telling everyone else what to do, but rather he does something and he invites others to come do it with him. We've asked you to consider what that might look like. We talked about how it is that they were this amazing vision of that they built the wall committing themselves to the common good. That amazing phrase and what it means for us to be a church that's committed to the common good in this city to see it flourish. What does it mean um, uh, to also understand that the building of the wall is something all of us contribute to? Everybody, some of us can build whole towers. We're at a phase in our life and God's blessed us in a way to do it. And if so, that's what we invite you to do because we need that. But some of us are at a point where we can only lay a couple of bricks and that's okay too. The wall's built in a way where all of us contribute something and everyone needs to do it together. 
So we start with discernment and then we move to implementation. But the final phase, which we're only going to talk about today as this series comes to a close, is something that the church rarely talks about. And it's this. How we are released from burdens and released from calls. And I think part of the reason that we don't talk about this is it always feels like if we're talking about being released from a call that a pastor is about to make an announcement. Uh, I can tell you after the 815 service, that was a question that uh, some people had. I don't plan on making an announcement today or anytime. Are you making an announcement today? John's not making an announcement today. Jill is only not here because she's visiting her nephew in Charlotte today. Jill's not making an announcement. That might even disappoint some of you that I'm not making an announcement, but I'm not making an announcement today. So let's just like have the maturity to put that aside. But it's important that that might be part of the reason we don't talk about a release, but we are called away from things as often as we're called to them. We are released from burdens and released from calls. And how we learn to know that and, and to understand that, and to, it affects how you and I rebuild today. So today, we're going to talk about what it means to be released from a call. And the scripture passage that's going to guide us is from Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. I invite you to listen to God's word to us all today. Now, when the wall had been built... And I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers. The singers and the Levites had been appointed. And I gave my brother Hananiah charge over Jerusalem along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that you would be with us today, that you would lead us and guide us, and that we would hear your gospel, your good news, and it would change us forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I once had a dear friend that made a comment to me that I think about a lot. The comment that my friend said to me was this. He said, Thomas, the church failed me. And it failed me because it did not equip me to handle one of the most powerful spiritual experiences of my life. Now, if you're working in, a, uh, in an IT firm, that might not make a huge difference, like if the church has failed right, in this. But when you're a pastor and someone looks at you and says, the church has failed me, not because of some organizational thing or because or, we do that all the time. But, uh, it's like, but they failed me because it didn't equip me to handle something spiritual. In fact, the most powerful spiritual experience of my life, that is something that, that causes you to stop and to pay attention. The spiritual experience that my friend had took place on a flight from San Francisco, California to Madison, Wisconsin. But to understand it, you have to understand some background of why it was so important to him. Uh, what had happened was, is that many years before that, he had been working in an organization and been very successful in that. He was married. He had a couple of young children. Uh, the family was doing well. They were happy where they were. And then all of a sudden, he got approached to take a new job that was uh, working with a much larger organization. It was an organization that was uh, involved and had uh, branches all around the United States. And when he heard about it, he knew that it was an honor to be approached about this job, but he was like, I don't want to do this. 
the organization I'm looking at going to has gotten actually pretty dysfunctional. Uh, it's going through a lot of hard times. It needs a lot of change. It's going to be really hard lifting and difficult. And that leadership's going to be hard. It also required his family to move from where they were. And he's like, I don't know that we want to do that. I don't know if my kids want to do that. And yet there was this burden, as we've talked about, this sense as he sat with it going, I think God might want us to do this. And I'm not necessarily happy about that. And his wife and his children were going, I actually believe God might want us to do this, but I'm not particularly excited about it either. But in the end, they believed that that burden was a call and that they needed to act on it. And so they did. They accepted this job and moved. And they said, maybe when we get there, it'll be better than what we think. And it was worse than what they thought. He was like, man, this organization is dysfunctional in ways they didn't even describe to me in the interview process. We have got a whole lot more heavy lifting that we need to do than I was even aware of. His kids were trying to adjust to new schools. His wife and he were trying to adjust to finding new community. It was all different kinds of stuff. And he said, after a few months, he was like, this is not good. And at the end of a year, they started praying as a family that God would let them go. They're like, God, this is not right for us. This, this is not healthy for us. This is really, really hard. And so we are asking for you to let us go. And the answer they kept getting, what disappointed them was, you need to stay. I have called you to this. I have given you this burden. They actually had this unifying sense of neither of us want to be here. And yet it would not be faithful for us to leave. He said for, and this wasn't for like a few months, for years they prayed this. They got up to almost 10 years, but in those 10 years, things slowly started getting better. He said that they slowly, the organization slowly started improving, changes started to happen. He said, I started feeling more effective in my work. My, my children kind of like found their rhythm. We as a family more found our rhythm. And after about 10 years, it was finally getting more and more joyful. He was actually out in San Francisco visiting kind of one of the branches of the organization that he was leading. And while he was there flying back to their home in Madison, he was sketching on a piece of paper where they could go. And he said, while I'm sitting on that plane, I heard a voice. And he goes, and it's only one of the only times I've ever heard God speak audibly. And what God said is, okay, I release you from this. It's time for something to change. He said he was going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? For 10 years of misery, I have been praying to be released from this. And now you say yes? Now that I'm enjoying this? Now that I'm in kind of getting more joy in this? Now that my family feels kind of settled in? Now's the moment that I'm supposed to be released? But he said in his heart, in that moment, he knew God's going to change something. And he said, I felt like a failure. And what the church had not equipped me with is that every time I had been in a Bible study or every time I had heard a sermon about calling and what I wanted to do, it was always about doing something new. It was always God adding something onto my plate. But I never heard a Bible study or a sermon about how God releases us from a calling and says it's done. And he said, and I felt like a failure. Almost like God was going, you know, I just can't work with you anymore. And so we're going to do something different. And he said, but then I started looking at the Bible. And do you know something? All around the Bible, people are called away. They are released from a burden and for a, from a call. They're not just called to new, do, do new things. They are released from calls. And often something new starting begins with a release from something that was there before. 
He said, why don't you all ever talk about the spiritual principle of being released? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Because that's exactly what's happening here with Nehemiah. For the first six chapters of this book, the defining thing that we know about Nehemiah is that God has given him a burden and that that burden has turned into an action to rebuild the walls that have been destroyed around Jerusalem. And now in chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, what we see is Nehemiah going, I'm done. And he hands over the baton of leadership in the city to two other people in some kind of co-leadership model. Now, if you ask people about Nehemiah, and if they know anything about Nehemiah, they will usually say, oh yeah, he rebuilt the wall. But we're only halfway through the book. There are 13 chapters total. And so we are at the halfway point of the book, and yet we're not going to go on in the series. Most people don't know what else Nehemiah did. But the defining, the building the wall was not the only thing Nehemiah did with his life. In fact, if you keep reading in chapter 7 here, Nehemiah gets really into telling the history of the people who returned from the exile. He gets, as we saw last week in chapter 3, very detailed about listing all of the different families that returned from the exile in Babylon, all of the different connections, all of the different genealogies. He gets all into the, if any of you are into genealogies, Nehemiah is kind of your guy, right? It's like, this is the trace of the family and how it goes. But there's this whole new season to his life. When you develop a burden, what I want you to know is this. It will almost always be something that is finite in how long it will be your burden. And there will come a moment when God's call, which is as powerful as to take something on, will release you from that. And it is time, as we see here with Nehemiah, to hand the baton to someone else. And if we understand that, if we understand that there's a spiritual principle to that, that the way God works is to say, there's a calling on your life, you discern it, you focus in on it, and then you're released from it, and then something new starts, that we see that our life works in like chapters of a story. And what we're not meant to do is to try to do everything at the same time. There's a focus to having a burden. And that's what I want you to know, is that if indeed the burdens you and I feel are things that we are going to be released from, then we have to understand that that means it requires of us today to say no to a lot of other things, that we are called to have a focus on what God has laid on our heart, because there is only a certain amount of time that that call will be there. And it's in that call that we need to say yes to, that we wind up saying no to other things. And the way you don't get resentful about it is not because you're going to say no to those things forever. I am certain there were people in Jerusalem that had more fun and free time on the weekends than Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the wall. I am certain that there were people that were doing all kinds of different things in Jerusalem that Nehemiah was going, I would love to do that too, right? And yet that's not the call that's on me today. And he had to say no to those things in order to say yes to the call God had given him. But a new chapter will always begin where you will no longer have the focus and the burden you have because then something else will start. Think about it this way. And I think this is a good time to talk about this. Um, 
One of the things that I think is an important spiritual thing when we talk about being released is that this time of COVID, a really important discussion is, is that our life has been interrupted, right? If you think about what you were doing 20 months ago and the habits and the rhythms that you had, there are a lot of things that we had to hit the pause button on or change. And hopefully, as we're now re-emerging from the pandemic, there's gonna be a question before us, which is what things do you wind up restarting and what things have you been released from? And that's a spiritual question. There should be things that you were maybe focused on or were really important to you before the pandemic that if you pray about it, rather than just defaulting to how it was before, you're gonna be going, I don't know that God wants me to pick that up again. My life might be in a different place. My focus might be in a different place. We're doing that as a church right now in our leadership. There is really important conversations that are going on about things that we hit pause on during the pandemic. And there are certain things going, man, we cannot wait to pick that up. And there are other things where you're like, eh, we're gonna leave that right there. Don't, no, don't, don't pick that up. Not because it was even necessarily bad before, but because we're changing and having to say yes to new things. And that means we're gonna say no to some other things. Things exist in seasons. Callings exist in seasons. Burdens exist in seasons. And we're called into them and we're called out of them. But while you have a call, while you have a burden, it is important not to live a thousand miles wide and a quarter inch deep. And I hope that's one of the things we don't revert back to from the pandemic. When you look at studies of how people were living before the pandemic, it was very hurried, very busy, very fractured lives. I'm like running and I got to do my job here and I'm texting people. And at one point I'm texting people about work, but then the next comes in, text comes in. It's my kids asking to pick me up at carpool. And so I'm like texting while I'm at a light going, you're going to have to wait because I got to handle this over here. We're sitting at a game, a little league game. And yet we have a phone call come in and we got to go out and we got to take that. and We got to come back. And, and what studies were showing is that while the advertising and the commercial commercial say you can sit at the game while your kids are playing and just watch your stock report while it's happening. We weren't happy with that. It didn't matter what was on the commercials. What study after study was showing is that in that fractured multitasking life, we were a thousand miles wide and a quarter inch deep. And what we were feeling was increasing stress, increasing anxiety, and an increasing sense that while we were busy all the time, we actually weren't very, doing anything very well. And it's not just that we felt that way. The Cleveland Clinic released a study on what they called multitasking of living in this world. And their opening line basically summed up the entire findings. Multitasking leads to less efficiency, more stress, and more mistakes. Let's not pick that up again. Let's leave that there and realize that the pattern of Nehemiah is one where he is very clear of what he's saying yes to, and he waits for the release, and until the release, he's saying no to a lot of different things. But seasons come and go. What are you called to say yes to right now? And in that, what are you called to say no to? There's a leader of the church, someone that I admire greatly, someone who's had an influence on me and many others who retired recently. 
she is somebody that, uh, that shaped different generations of pastors uh, through her work and her ministry. And, and I've shared this, uh, some of this conversation with some of you before, but uh, I talked to her recently and was asking about life in retirement. She's just recently retired. And I said, like, so what is that like? You just kind of like don't have as much to do and it's great. She goes, not as much to do. She's like, I am busier now than I have ever been in my whole life. And I say, yeah, but you're retired. The point of retirement is not to do that. She said, do you know the people that struggle in retirement? The people who struggle in retirement are the ones who define it by what it's not. I don't have to work. I don't have to be busy. I don't have to be stressed. She said, they're the ones that love it for two weeks and then are completely lost after that. She said, do you know in the Bible there's no such thing as retirement? That concept does not exist in the Bible. There's no such thing as retirement. And I'm sitting there going, yes, but you're retired. <laughs> so what does that mean? And she goes, what that means is I'm just now able to say yes to a whole lot of things that earlier in my life I had to say no to. And I love being busy with those things. That's the point that we see here with Nehemiah. She was unbelievably effective as a leader because she said yes to this particular burden of molding pastors. And therefore, she was saying no to a whole lot of different things. And she had an impact because of that focus, like we see here with Nehemiah. And yet she has been released from that call, just like Nehemiah is here. And her life has now moved on where she is saying yes to different things and no, she, but she has as much focus now as she did before. It's just she can focus on different things. Yes, I want you to pay attention to the burden and call of God on your life, the things you need to say yes to, but also be comfortable that when you say yes to certain things, you're gonna say no to something else. And you can do so. Because every burden is finite. And one day you will be released from the season that you're in right now. So be faithful in God's call today. And trust him with what tomorrow might look like. Friends, this is one of the most important moments in history that you and I will live through. And it is possible if we say yes to the right things and if we say no to the things to, that we need to say no to, that we can build back our lives better than before. That is the promise that we see here with Nehemiah, that things can change in our lives and in our world. And I am excited for us individually and collectively to be a part of rebuilding our lives and this society into something that can be greater than we have ever known before. But now is the time to hear the call of God and for that great work to begin. And we'll do it together. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord, lead us, guide us, help us to discern what seasons you call us into and what seasons you call us out of and help us to focus on what your call is today. May we be faithful in the calling before us and may we trust you with what lies ahead. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.